Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxton and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining me the show as ever is the nominate. He's been nominated by IMAF as Young Journalist of the Year. It's James Sweetnan. Hi, we- Hi James. How's your week been? Yeah, terrific week, Rob. I can't wait to break down everything from the sporting stratosphere with you today. Brilliant. And what we'll do, we'll start off with the boxing. And Eddie Hearn's new era boxing started on Saturday night in the main event. And there was a big winner for the, from the UK. Tell us about that. Yeah, the most certainly was, Rob. DAZN Fight Camp, Eddie Hearn's new venture in the world of boxing, taking over from Sky Sports. And we started off with a cracking main event, Jukan with the WBA regular title versus Lee Ward. And Zoukan, renowned as one of the best featherweights on the planet. And Lee Ward completely upset the apple cart. He put in a phenomenal performance in clinching that WBA regular title. Is it a legitimate world championship? Some would say no. I would you know, potentially agree with that. But I don't want to dismiss what a great performance it was from Lee Wood, beating one of the best featherweights on the planet because he was a humongous underdog going into this one. And it was an absolutely fantastic performance. Can you appreciate Wood's performance while maintaining that the belt that he has won isn't a world title? Yeah, most certainly. I mean, there's so many of these world-level competitions that take place for WBA regular titles, and everybody criticises the WBA, as they rightly should, for having so many world championships. I mean, there's 17 weight classes in boxing, meaning that there should be 17 WBA world titles in boxing, but there's not, there's 44 which shows how oversaturated the sport is with world titles. But it's important to remember what a good performance that was. Because Zoukan's one of the best on the planet, and Lee Wood absolutely dismantled him en route to a 12-round stoppage. So although, in my view, he's not a champion of the world, Lee Wood, he's most certainly announced himself on the world stage. Bolton's Jack Cullen defeated former world title challenger Turkish Warrior in the biggest fight of his career. Tell us about that. Yeah, great win from the man from Bolton. The Bolton meat cleaver, as he's known in the trade. One of my most favourite nicknames. But Avni Yildirim is somebody who's fought Canelo Alvarez. He's fought Chris Eubank Jr. Albeit he only lasted six combined rounds with them. He still operated at a far higher level than Jack Cullen. So for Cullen to get the victory here is fantastic. And he can now say that he's beaten somebody who's challenged for a world title. And, you know, in many people's eyes, won one against Anthony Durrell. So... Big, big win for Jack Cullen and hopefully he can bounce on from here. He's always an entertaining fight. He's got a great little fan base. So I think there's a lot of potential for Jack Cullen to win some big fights over the next few years. Is he ever going to be a world champion? No. But who knows? Maybe he could claim the British title or the European title or whatever. Because this win over Udrim is by far and away the best of his career. And as for where Udrim goes, I don't know. Because he's sort of been on the fringes of world level. And yes, he's fallen short against Canelo and Eubank Jr., but he's fallen short here against somebody who's operating at British level. So Gildrin may be not even that. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because, you know, less than a year ago in February, you know, he's fighting in a sold-out stadium against the pound-for-pound best. And now he's losing in Eddie Earns' back garden in front of 700 people. So it's going to be difficult to evaluate where he's at at the moment. But uh, I don't see Avni Yildirim achieving much more in the sport. Maybe he goes back to Turkey, has a few fights there. I know he's got a following in Germany. He can have a few fights there, but I don't see him ever like, you know, challenging for world titles again. Anthony Fowler bagged a win and will square off in an all Liverpool derby against Liam Smith in October. What's your thoughts on that? To be honest, Rob, I'm shocked. Uh, I didn't think Liam Smith and Anthony Fowler would be a fight that would happen at all. If, I'm most certainly not one that would happen anytime soon. I mean, for me, 
Anthony Fowler, you know, lost to Scott Fitzgerald and he hasn't looked incredible in any of his performances, really. Whereas Liam Smith has won a world title in the past. And for me, he can still operate, you know, in, at, you know, at the fringes or maybe even at world level itself. So for me, I think it's a bit of a, I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but to me, it's borderline a mismatch. I mean, Anthony Fowler hasn't won past British level. Liam Smith's won a world title. I mean, in his last fight, he, he lost against Kerbinov on a majority decision. But I mean, most people thought he won that one. And I think Liam Smith's going to walk for Anthony Fowler, truth be told, in October. I think Fowler will look good for the first couple of rounds. Maybe he's slightly higher pedigree in the amateurs will shine through. I mean, he's got a great jab, Fowler. But after that, I see Liam Smith walking through him. Fowler hasn't been to the places that Liam Smith has. So I think Smith will win this one quite easily, to be honest. And I think he'll get the prize. Canelo v Plant appears to be in huge doubt. Uh, do you think it'll happen, James? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? I mean, for so long, I just assumed it would. Canelo versus Plant for the undisputed super, super middleweight world championships. But Caleb Plant and Canelo just can't seem to agree on things. The issue here, from my perspective, seems to be that Caleb Plant is struggling to cope with being the B-side of a promotion. So Canelo has certain demands that he makes, which, you know, are somewhat unreasonable. But you have to just accept them because there's nothing you can do. Canelo Alvarez is bringing millions, hundreds of millions to the table and Caleb Plant isn't bringing that. He's probably never made a million quid in a fight before. So he has to unfortunately cope with the fact that Canelo Alvarez is able to mess him around. And he's going to have to put up with that or he's not going to get the fight. And it's as simple as that. If it doesn't happen, I'll be disappointed because I think Caleb Plant's got a good style to maybe beat Canelo Alvarez or at the very least push him close. But if it doesn't happen, I think you're looking at Canelo Alvarez maybe moving back up to light heavyweight. There's fights there against Bivol that makes sense. But Turby ever be another good one. But for me, I'd still like to see the Canelo plant fight. Rumours are circulating that Tyson Fury was knocked out in sparring ahead of his third fight with Wilder. Do you believe them, James, the rumours? It's difficult to tell. I mean, people think that Tyson Fury, you know, the best heavyweight on the planet, he can't get knocked out and sparring. But let me tell you, he can. I mean, the likes of Mike Tyson, Vitaly Klitschko, etc., have been dropped by people in sparring who, you know, a lot of people say were below their level. I mean, it's sparring. It's not a real fight. It can happen. So it's possible. And maybe the chips do stack up with, you know, Tyson Fury supposedly testing positive for COVID and then being seen out and about in Las Vegas when he should have been self-isolating. So do I think these are true? It's difficult. The sparring rumours. So I don't want to say either way whether they're true or not. But is it possible? Yes. So that's all I can really say on the matter. Because without being there, it's difficult to make 100% of a call. One of Britain's best ever amateur fighters and Olympic gold medalist, Luke Campbell, has retired from boxing. What a great career he's had, James. Luke Campbell has been absolutely fantastic in his career, Rob. I mean, he's one of the best amateurs Britain has ever produced. I mean, he's won a World Championship gold medal. He won an Olympic gold medal. And it's a shame that he didn't win a world title in the professional ranks. But let me tell you for one, Rob. It wasn't for the lack of trying. I mean, if he hadn't come up against two generational talents in Jorge Linares and Vasily Lomachenko, he'd have had a world title wrapped around his waist. And maybe it's a bit of a disappointment that he didn't win one, but he can always say that he got in the ring with the very best in the professional ranks. I mean, Linares, incredible hand speed, phenomenal boxer, and Vasily Lomachenko, many people considered him the pound-for-pound best in his prime. So there's absolutely no shame in losing those contests. And when he'd come up against anybody else, Rob, 
he'd be a world champion. So there's a little bit of sadness in that, and it's a shame that he has retired. Of course, he's coming off a loss against Ryan Garcia. But again, Garcia might go on to you know be a world champion and be a fantastic talent. I mean, he's certainly one of the biggest stars in the sport already. Luke Campbell had fantastic pedigree, a great jab, and I think it's important to remember that he's one of the nicest guys this sport has produced. A lovely guy in and out of the ring, Luke Campbell. So many people enjoy him. I mean, what he's done for the city of Hull is fantastic. I mean, winning them a gold medal. And then I think his fight with Tommy Coyle will live long in the memory. He has some fantastic wins in the professional ranks. I mean, the Dallas Perez win at Wembley was a memorable one. He, of course, defeated Van Mende in their rematch. Mende, of course, creating the first loss of Campbell's career. But he's done so much, Luke Campbell. He's a truly good guy. I think people will always look back on those fights with Lomachenko and Linares as fantastic ones. I mean, he travelled over to the United States of America to fight Lomachenko, uh, to fight Linares. And let's not forget his dad had died just shortly prior to that. So the fact that he was able to even travel and fight and fought, fight as well as he did, it's just phenomenal. Luke Campbell, somebody I have massive admiration for. I'm gutted he never won a world title, but he still left a fantastic legacy on the sport. There's a massive all-Irish affair taking place on Friday night. James, talk us through that. There is Michael Conlon versus TJ Dahini. I think it's a great fight. One of the best all-Irish affairs I've seen in a long time. TJ Dahini, a former world champion. Of course, he travelled over to Japan to win the belt there. Michael Conlon, a former Olympian, one of the biggest stars in Ireland. And he's been in need of that sort of breakout performance at world level. And I think this is going to be it. I think Michael Conlon can beat TJ Dahini, who's sliding slightly down the mountain now. And off the back of this, maybe he can challenge for a world title himself, because with Michael Conlon, but waiting, it seems for him to become a superstar. I mean, after the Olympics, he had such a high profile. He made his debut, and he's had a few flat performances. But I still feel like he's more than capable of achieving and winning a world title. So I think he beats TJ Dahini this weekend, and I think he goes on to better things. But he can't pass Dahini, because this is somebody who post. Uh, Danny Roman very very close to the unification bout he's a legitimate world level contender TJ Dahini and a former champion so Michael Gonlin has got to remain composed at all times throughout this fight but if he does that I think he'll win in the second edition of Eddie Hearn's fight camp the IBF featherweight world title will be on the line what, what do you think of that James? it most certainly will Kid Galahad battles Jazza Dickens and both of these men more than deserve their place to fight for a world title. Kid Galahad beat Josh Warrington for the IBF featherweight champion a couple of years ago, and he was robbed on the cars. Jazza Dickens has fought his way back from the depths of hell. I mean, a few years ago, he lost to Guillermo Rigondeau in a world title fight, and he's never given up. He won the golden contract competition, and he's earned a big world title fight. The pair of these men met years before with Kid Galahad coming away the victor that night. But Jazza Dickens is highly improved, and he'll be coming to win. I mean, he's a man of God and he's dedicated that. He's dedicated his success to the faith he's had in the Lord. And uh, I hope that Jesse Dickens can put in a good performance this weekend. But it's not going to be easy to defeat Kid Galahad, who's sublimely skilled. I think Galahad probably goes into this one the favourite. I'd probably pick him to win, but wouldn't write Jesse Dickens off by any stretch of the imagination. Final boxing question, James. There's two cracking heavyweight fights on the undercard as well. Talk us through that. There is Fabio Wardley versus Nick Webb. Wardley, one of Eddie Hearn's big heavyweight hopes. He's coming off a win against Eric Molina. He looks somewhat vulnerable in that fight. And Nick Webb's coming off a great win against Eric Pfeiffer, an Olympic, an Olympian. And uh, not many people thought Nick Webb was going to win that one. So he caused a great upset. I mean, I'd make Fabio Wardley a slight favourite in this one, but Nick Webb's only getting better. And he's going to come to win. And he hits hard. 
So Wardley's got his work cut out for him, but he goes in a slight favour. As for the other fight, Alan the Savage Babich, who's becoming a real fan favourite, he's taking on Mark Bennett. It's one a contest that he should win. And I think he goes on to maybe achieve more in the spot. I mean, who knows? Alan the Savage Babich is becoming a really entertaining fighter. And it's difficult to tell how much he'll achieve because some people are viewing him as maybe just a bit of a bulldozer, a bit of a barring brawler. He's not going to achieve that much in the spot. But he has a good amateur background, and I think he can achieve more than people expect. Let's uh, move on now to the UFC uh, 265, which goes down on Saturday night. And there's a massive heavyweight event to come. Uh, James, talk us through that. There is. Derek the Beast Lewis takes on Cyril Garn for the UFC Interim Heavyweight World Championship. And it's an extremely interesting fight. Derek Lewis, of course, an absolutely monster puncher. He puts people to sleep as soon as he touches them. And Cyril Garn is looking absolutely exceptional at the moment. He's sublimely skilled. He's only 9-0, but he seems to be getting better and better and better. And a win against Alexander Volkov last time out was his best today. A UFC interim championship attached to this one isn't necessarily fair. I'm not sure. I mean, Francis Ngarni, the current heavyweight champion, is still active. So I don't think there was necessarily a need for an interim championship. But if two people were to compete for this one, I think they're the best possible options. Derek Lewis, of course, beat Francis Ngarni in their last encounter. He hits very hard and he's a fan favourite. And Cyril Garner, you know, if he wins, he could take on Francis Ngarni. I mean, it's fantastic because either men have a narrative. I mean, Derek Lewis, it gives Francis Ngarno a chance to, you know, avenge that loss. And if Cyril Garn wins, then you've got an all-French affair for a heavyweight championship of the world. And with MA being just made legal in France, I think that would be a great matchup. So either way, I think it'll be a fantastic uh, matchup next time out, depending on who wins. What do you make of there being an interim title on the line? I don't agree with it, Rob, to be honest, because as I said, Francis Ngarno was active. There was no need. And I think they tried to push him to fight sooner than he was ready. And when he didn't agree to the date in August, they they ordered an interim fight. I mean, I think the Derek Lewis versus Francis Sigani matchup made sense next up. And then you could have done Cyril Garn down the line. But, you know, Dana White often tries to uh, um, push his own narrative and push his own needle. And if you don't do what he says, you know, it can be a bit stubborn. I don't think this fight necessarily made sense next. But, I mean, it's happening now. And I think we should all look forward to it. Because it will be a good contest. But I don't think it was necessarily the right direction to go in. And I think the uh, the champion, Francis Ngarno, has every right to be slightly annoyed at this one. Yeah. Should should the real champion be annoyed about the, the situation, James, you reckon? Yeah, definitely, Rob. Because, I mean, he put on a great performance in beating Stipe Miocic for the world title. And he wanted a few more months of inactivity. He wanted to wait a few months and then fight when he was ready. And he tried to force him into a date that was a little bit too soon for him. And, I mean, an interim title should be made when the champion is out of action for a sustained period of time. When the champion is active in Francis Ngarno and could fight in like a month or two, it just feels a bit weird to, to force an interim championship. So yeah, Francis Ngarno has every right to be annoyed because there shouldn't be another person in the heavyweight division right now able to call themselves a champion. And after Saturday night, there will be. Who wins, James? It's difficult to call. I mean, Derek Lewis could knock any man out on the planet if he connects clean. But I sort of feel like the slick skills of Cyril Garn will be enough to get him a victory. I mean, he's so inexperienced compared to Lewis. But I still fancy Garn. I think he's been looking really, really good at the moment. I'm going to say that he wins on points. But Derek Lewis could knock him out at any second, which is why you won't be able to take your eyes off this contest for a single second. 
Final uh, UFC question, James. What's there to look for uh, in the undercard? So a couple of good bouts, Rob. I mean, Josie Aldo, one of the best ever takes on Pedro Munoz. And Josie Aldo is deserving of a big win, I think, at the moment. I mean, he's not, it's not going to come easy against Pedro Munoz, but I still fancy Josie Aldo to get the win there. And then another great fight, Michael Chiesa takes on Vicente Luque and a bit of a matchup between a grappler and a striker. I'd edge towards Chiesa in this one because, I mean, a lot of people say him may be fighting for a world title. I mean, he's somebody who's never fought Kamari Usman, and that would be an interesting matchup. But Vicente Luque cannot be written off by any stretch of the imagination because he's looking great at the moment. But, Rob, let's move on to the world of rugby. And Salford's Super League season has been disrupted by COVID again, hasn't it? Yeah, another breakout in the Salford camp, uh, James. Two games uh, postponed, Hull KR. Uh, this week and Wakefield on Monday. Uh, disappointing, but obviously the players have to be you know, checked and, and made sure that they're fit and well because that's the most important thing, James, in the current climate. It will be disappointing for Richard Marshall, but he's got other games to play to come and you're just hoping uh, that the boys can get out on the field soon. Most certainly. And Paul spoke to Salford forward Sam Lutley this week and this is what he had to say. Right, I'm delighted to say this week on uh, Devil in Detail, Salford Radio, we've been joined by uh, Sam Luckley. Sam, last time I spoke to you, the country, I think, was in lockdown, wasn't it? You just moved to Salford. How, how have you been settling down? Are you, are you getting out and about a bit more now, and uh, how are you finding things? Uh, hi, hello. Uh, it's good to be back on you. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good, really. There's a bit of life now about the place, and you can go out, and you can do stuff. Um, so, you know, going out for coffees, and yeah, it's... Uh, I, I'm loving it now, bit of back to normality. I'm just, uh, I just moving in and yeah, loving me, loving me time at the minute. How are you spending most of your time when you're not training? Because I know you live in you live in Halifax, don't you? So do you spend a bit of time sort of this side of the Pennines, around Manchester and Salford, or is a lot of your free time spent up there, up in Yorkshire? Mostly Yorkshire. Um, I've got a couple of mates from uni who live in, in Yorkshire, like Leeds way and stuff. So um, when I'm not training, you know, I might drive over or get a train over and see them, meet up up with them for a coffee um i need to do a bit more exploring in manchester to be fair so that'll that's on the list um i want to take a few things off there and just have a look around the city center and that so um i i'll take any recommendations mate if you've got any yeah 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 there's there's plenty to do around salford mate i mean i'm i'm pretty boring me really tend to just go out for a coffee with my wife and the kids and stuff like that so i'm not really like an adventure person but there's plenty to do it's a good city of salford and and of course manchester's neighboring city as well there's plenty plenty going on there as well and uh, so how you found things so far you know the club i mean you were looking forward to making your debut you had to be pretty patient didn't you to get your debut made it against warrington what's it been like that transition from sort of playing in lower league rugby league to, to playing in super league yeah, well, massive transition really, coming off, you know, sitting around on the couch for 15 months, my last game being a League One game, and then um, luckily, you know, spoke to Breezy uh, and, and Rich and that, and um, I said, you know, I just need I need some game time, um, I need to go on loan somewhere, um, and luckily enough, Swinton took us, and it was a great club, great, great lads, Stuart, the coach, is outstanding, so, so I love my time there, um, but I just thought I wouldn't, like, be doing myself any justice if I just came in you know, off, you've not played any games um, for, you know, over a year and then straight into a Super League game. So I thought I'd just need, you know, like a little bit of a tune-up. So went to Swinton, played four or five games there and then got recalled back because I was going to play um, and make my debut against Warrington. And my God, it was fast. My lungs were on fire. 
<laughs> um, it was good though. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, it I'd say it's, it's the quickness gets you more than the actual physicality of the game. Um, like every, my mates and you now my family and that are asking us how it was and stuff. And um, I would say it is. It's more fast than anything. You, I, obviously, apart from the obvious, I mean, it's rugby. It's definitely physical. But um, apart from like the obvious, Paulie Paulies of rugby league, you know, Cassianos and Aquala, all the big lads, they're physical. But it's uh, it's it's the fast nines, or you know, the wingers, the centers that that catch you out and the quick play of the balls and stuff. But I feel like I uh, handled it well. I thought I enjoyed my debut. I thought I played pretty well, and yeah, uh, hopefully make. Make play more games this year. Yeah, well, last the last couple of weeks you've sort of settled down, and Richard Marshall's sort of kept faith with you. You got you tasted your first victory against against Wakefield. I mean, what did that feel like to actually come off there? I mean, I know it wasn't at Salford; it was at Warrington's ground, wasn't it? But there's was quite a few Salford supporters there, and and what's that been like as well? You know, crowds returning because obviously at the start of the season everything was behind closed doors. But have you have you sort of took to? I mean, I know the Salford fans seem to have taken to you. What what do you make of the Salford supporters at the AJ Bell? I mean, we're not there's not loads of them, but they certainly get behind the team. I love them. Yeah, they're brilliant. Uh, you, you can't beat, you know, like just a loud, a loud stadium with your own fans singing, and it just gives you that extra boost. And especially after we won against Wakefield, and we went over to clap the fans and that, and everyone's just singing and buzzing and. Yeah, I, honestly, it felt amazing. I absolutely loved it. The fans are class, so yeah, I can't fault them. What's it been like for you personally with your family and that? I mean, are your family into rugby league? Do, uh, do they do they sort of get on social media and, and see you on there and, and things like that? Well, they better be in a rugby league now. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, I well, obviously, it, like I said before, it's all football in Newcastle. Um, but because I've played rugby league, my mum's and my me, me dad and my nana and everyone, sister, they've all started watching the game and now you know they all know the rules, you know the players and you know how how we play and uh, yeah they, they've come down to the games and stuff. Uh, my missus came with her mum and dad to the Wakefield one um, and then my mates have came to the, the Leeds one and my mum and dad. I've seen my dad in months. He's uh, he's in the navy, so he's been on board the ships. That was his first game, the Leeds one. Um, and I could, I could just see him singing and dancing away, and oh, it was great. Um, but they absolutely love it. Yeah, they, they just, I think they just love um, sport and the atmosphere of sport. You could put them in a, a table tennis arena and they'd still have a good time. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they just love sport, so um, I think they're loving, loving that time coming down and watching us play. They must be looking forward to September because obviously the Magic Weekend's going to be in Newcastle, isn't it? Um, Aye. What are you going to have your own personal sort of collection of tickets there to dish out? Because I mean, everyone Aye, in Newcastle's going to be behind you. <laughs> <laughs> the whole of uh, Tyneside's going to be behind you that day. You must be excited for that though. Going back to your home city, you know, yeah. hopefully you'll be in the side that day. I think it'll be a great spectacle. It's, it's a great day out at St James Park anyway. But for someone like yourself, who's a local lad, you must be must be thrilled to be going back. Yeah, I'm gonna work my socks off to try and get in that squad. Um, I've got all my mates. We, every week, even if I wasn't playing Super League, like I'd be going to it anyway. Like me and all my mates, we get um, a fair few tickets and we just make a day of it. Um, so they're all going regardless. And um, yeah, so I know they'll be watching. My mum and dad have already got their tickets. So yeah, I'm <laughs> best not let them down. I best get picked. Well, I've seen. I've just seen you actually on social media advertising it. You know, it was only a short clip of you doing a bit of acting, lifting your weights there. <laughs> so oh, God. that that Your made that 
that's that's your acting career over, I think. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it must be. I mean, it's something the lads like, isn't it? I mean, the Magic Weekend special. You've got all the teams there, and it does have a bit of a cup final feel. It's a big stadium as well, a big crowd. There's a bit of pressure on there, and yeah, you've got to work your socks off now and get into that side. Absolutely, and you know, hopefully we we get the win. Fingers crossed, and uh, I can have a be out with all the fans and that after. I'll see you on the on the tour. It'll be a right last. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. What's it been like this season so far? You know, with, with, with Richard Marshall, how, how have you found Richard? Because when I last spoke to you, you were just learning things and sort of just settling in. But how's the mood in the camp now? How, how does he prepare you for the games and that? Is he is he a quiet sort of man or how, how does he go about you know getting you guys ready? Um, we've got our routine and how we prepare for games. You know, we're training and then how we. Like video and reviewing the other team and how they're going to play, and then we come up with our plan against them and stuff. So that's pretty routine. Um, and he'll grab you and just have a little word word with you to tell you what he's expecting of you, how he's been going and stuff. And luckily for me, he's kept us in for the last few weeks, and I've started to get a bit of rhythm and um, tells us what he expects of us and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's it's good. He's 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 a good uh, he's a good coach and stuff, and he's he does. He expects the best from you, and you know, and you should. Um, and we've had a, a bit of a roller coaster the last few weeks, but then we got them two wins back to back, um, and it just shows we can do it, you know. Um, but I'd say, you know, we can't forgive ourselves for the ill discipline and go, go getting players sent off, and we're just kicking ourselves in the foot, aren't we? Really. Um, but we're ready to bounce back. Obviously, got COVID has postponed the games um, that are coming up, but uh, everyone's training training well we'll get a few more bodies back and uh, we'll be ready to go I suppose it's a difficult one that with the Covid situation because obviously you had two games coming up in so- short succession this week but on the other side of the coin you're disappointed because you're not going to play the games but the squad's a bit low on numbers it does give you Richard Marshall and, and the rest of the guys you know, chance to, to get fit again what's, what's been the script this week have you got a bit of time off this weekend now or, or is it just a case of just carrying on training the, the lads who have not tested positive um well, we're just well because a few guys have got symptoms and stuff now, so we've just done a big round of testing, um, and then they've been sent off now to get uh, to get our results, and then uh, as soon as everyone's got the all clear, we'll be back training. Have you had one of your jabs yet? Because you're only—I mean, I've only had one jab, but you're a bit younger than me, aren't you? So you—you you just had still the one jab. Is it you ready for your second yeah, one I've soon? Just, I've just had the one, me mate. I. Yeah, so hopefully once all the players have got the jab and things like that, things might start settling down. But uh, but yeah, well, you enjoy your weekend any time off this weekend, mate. Thanks very much again for coming on the show and speaking to us. Hopefully we'll speak to you again uh, again later in the season. But yeah, you keep training hard. I want to see you on the pitch scoring a try at uh, the Magic Weekend at St James's Park. Mate. Cheer a celebration all the way around the pitch if I score. Oh, that, that'd be definitely worth watching, mate. Take care, Sam. Thanks very much, mate. No worries, mate. Ta-ra. What do you make of Sam Lutley so far, Rob? Yeah, fantastic player uh, so far. Tough tackler, good going forward. Big lad as well. A lot of people talk talk him in the same uh, bracket uh, as Alex Warmsley. So, you know, he's got potential to reach that level. Uh, he's great. He's from Newcastle as well. So he's got that, that Geordie uh, go-get-him attitude. And he's, he brings a lot to the Salford side. It's only, he's obviously, he's... He went alone to, to Swinton and he's only played a few games, but you can see he's got the class in him, James. So you're hoping uh, that he continues that good form and Richard Marshall keeps picking him and it continues to develop. Do you think that loan spell at Swinton will helped him out? 
I, th- I think so, James. I think he wanted it. I think he needed to to get blow away the cobwebs uh, and start playing. And I think with the way rugby is, it's about the squad. And he feels he needed games to get under his belt, and he and he got them games, didn't he, James? That's why he's playing in the in the Salford, uh, thir- you know, seventeen. Now, a good player. Hopefully, he can continue that good form, uh, and we're excited to to see what he can produce. Most certainly, Rob. I mean, there's a humongous game coming up on Friday. A Salford take on Wigan, and I'm sure you're absolutely buzzing for this one. Yeah, Wigan away, always a tough contest. Uh, the lo- Well, one of our local derbies. Big Salford following, usually, that go down to the to the DW Stadium in Wigan. Uh, you know, we got we won in the uh, the grand final year, won the semi-final at Wigan, so we've got good memories down there uh, in recent times. So you're hoping that we can reproduce that kind of form. It might be difficult, obviously, with uh, with players being laid up uh, with, with COVID, but we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, Richard Marshall can work his magic uh, and we can go and get the win there. Are you expecting a win, Rob? I mean, is that your prediction? Well, it's going to be tough, James. We're going to have a great side, full of internationals. But this Salford team know how to dig in. And they've come back, you know, through tough times before. Uh, and they might have to do that again against Wigan on Friday. I'm a Salford fan. I'm a Salford man. I'm expecting a, a victory away on uh, Friday night. Very interesting news this week, Rob. Some potential league format changes coming into fruition in 2022. Do you think that would suit Salford? Well, it's, it's difficult, really, James, because currently there's 12 teams in the Super League. There's there's rumours of, of expanding the league to 14 and for next year and then the year after, chopping it down to 10. And I, I think going from 14 to 10 is too much jeopardy. Yet we want, you know, every game to matter and we want excitement on the terrace and it, the clubs are allowed to, to sort of market that but to go from 14 teams to 10 teams in the first division is too much for me uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens obviously the uh, the rugby league world cup with australia and new zealand uh, pulling out of it is is a, is a bit of a blow so i think it's more of a opportunity now for the league to take stock of what's going on uh, and and try and find a bit extra uh, money which we'll have to wait and see what happens will it suit Salford I think 14 teams would 10 teams might be a bit difficult but we've got some good players we've got to make sure if it does go down that line James we finish in the top 10 to so we can't get relegated I don't think we will I think we've got good players I think we've got a structure there that that's a super league structure we've got great people in charge like of Paul King who who are sulfur to the core great businessman as well so he'll be doing what he can in the business stakes to, to keep the club moving forward uh, so I'm, I'm confident that if they do go to 10 Salford will be in there most certainly. Rob, just you mentioned there everything that's going on with the World Cup. What do you make of all the pullouts? Well, I think it's disappointing. I think, especially with the Australian Rugby Union team touring and the Australian athletes competing in the Olympics. Uh, is there something else going on? That's the big question. I know with the quarantine rules that the NRL sort of pre-season will be halved for the players who do come over. So does that have a bearing on this on, on this decision? Only time will tell. I think it's disappointing because obviously a lot of um, other clubs, a lot of other countries, pick teams, you know, for Samoa and Fiji and things like that. So they've got to obviously follow the same rules. So it's not just New Zealand and Australia that pull out because the NRL is full of of players who who play for them Pacific kind of countries. So it's disappointing. Will, will it go ahead without them? It could do, but it's only going to devalue it. 
Will they postpone it uh, for next season? I don't see any benefit in that because obviously if unless the, the world changes dramatically in the next 12 months, we're probably going to be in the same situation. Cancelling it altogether. The big the World Cup is a big money spinner for, for the RFL. Can they really afford to, uh, to, to cancel the whole thing and lose millions of pounds in the current climate? Probably not. So it's going to be a tough, tough ask a tough decision, real effort for the the top brass at the uh, the rugby leagues. So we'll have to see what they come up with. I mean, is there any part of you that looks at this and thinks, you know, with Australia and New Zealand gone, great sides, dangerous sides, that England have more chance of a victory, or do you think it just dilutes the product with you know Australia and New Zealand not being there? I think it's a bit both, James. I think obviously there is more chance with New Zealand and, and Australia not competing for Great Britain or England to, to win. So we've got to think of that as a positive. But what do the sponsors want? The sponsors want the top teams and the top players to give you the big money. And will that affect the World Cup? Will that affect the viewing figures? Will that affect the sponsorships? An England victory in the World Cup would boost the sport, but there's always that nagging voice in the back of your head saying, well, New Zealand wasn't there. Australia wasn't there. What if? And that and that's the thing you've got to kind of think about. We'll have to wait and see, James. Hopefully, there'll be some kind of discussion uh, and we'll get a World Cup. Because obviously, the World Cup is a pinnacle of any, any sport. And, you know, other teams from other nations, it's there. Mecca, their big thing that they get to. So you're hoping that they, they can run it and uh, we get uh, a, well, maybe an underdog come in and, and get a victory to boost the sport. Most certainly. I mean, it'd be very interesting to see what happens. But moving back on to Salford, and Kappa and Wild will stop making Salford merchandise at the end of the season. So who do you think will take over? It's interesting, James, because obviously the Wild thing uh, and Kappa have had, have had you know great merchandise for Salford and Obviously, moving forward, Salford will need to find another supplier and another kit manufacturer at the same standard to produce the same quality of gear. What will happen with the financials? Will it be any different? We don't know. Will there be club shops involved? Because obviously there was a club shop which got closed down due to the, the COVID situation. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, James. Hopefully, um, you know, a new a new kit manufacturer can come in and produce some fantastic gear which helps the club generate cash and obviously great products for fans to wear. Well, certainly. And there's been some sad news this week. As ex-Salford player, David Fell has passed away in a tragic accident. I think it goes without saying that our thoughts and prayers are all with his family. Yeah, David Fell, you know, what a fantastic player he was uh, for Salford. His heritage number is eight eight six six. He made his debut in 1989. His most sort of famous moment in a Salford shirt uh, was in Lancashire Cup final against Widnes, where he produced a man-of-the-match performance and an upper- Cadabra moment, a try which Clive Tilsley commentated on. Uh, you know, we'll live long in, in the in the Salford fans' hearts. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with his family at this time. A great player for us, and such a sad uh, moment. Most certainly. I mean, Rob Swinton Lions have sacked Stuart Littler after losing fourteen on the spin. I mean, is this the right decision? Well, it's it's a tough decision. Uh, obviously, Swinton struggling at the bottom of the league. Uh, Stewart's been there for for six years. He's had a he's had a great uh, sort of learning process at Swinton. They've they've gone through the mill. Let's let's be honest. You know, not very much money at the, the coal face down there uh, at Haywood Road. But they work hard and Stuart Little has earned his, earned his, earned his keep over the last uh, six years. He's also the head coach of Ireland, which is which is a big thing. I don't think. 
he'll be out of work for very long. Yeah, it didn't quite work at the end at Swinton after losing 14 games. They needed that change, James. And, and I think that's what's happened. They've, they've got that change uh, and they're ready to move forward from now on. Do you have any idea who you think will take over, Rob? Well, Alan Coleman, uh, he's taken over to the end of the season. who was the assistant coach at Swinton. And that gives uh, a bit of you know consistency in, in that squad. Because obviously... With new coaches coming in, brings new ideas, and it gives the sort of the sort of the Swinton board, um, you know, time to, to measure the next appointment. It might be Alan if if he if he you know Swinton pick up and, and win a few games. You never know. So we'll have to wait and see. There'll be names in the frame, James, but they know with Swinton Lions it's going to be a tough challenge, and they'll have to wait and see who brings in. We'll have to wait to see who's available because lots of comings and goings in rugby league and there'll be names throwing the hat later on in the season but it's just about supporting the Lions now getting down to Haywood Road and roaring them on uh, for the end of the season Well certainly and do you think that new coach bout helped Swinton on the way to picking up a first win of the season beating Dewsbury away 18-22? Yeah good victory Dewsbury tough team at home and, and Swinton going there and getting result is a good start like then like we said, the new coach bounce shows you know what it what it is and how it affects teams. Tries from Jack Hansen, Mick Cox, and Lewis Drogan uh, got the uh, the first victory for Swinton Lions of the season, and obviously we're made up for the Swinton fans. It's been a really really terrible time for them. Fourteen defeats on the spin. You don't know when that next win's going to come, and it did. It came this Sunday against Dewsbury. It did, and they've got a game coming up against Oldham on Sunday. Do you think they can make it two on the bounce? I do, I do, James. Confidence breeds confidence. Victory against Dewsbury. Everyone in that Swinton camp will be up. It's at home. Swinton Lions fans will be there to roar on uh, Swinton after that fate, after that big victory against Dewsbury. So I'm thinking it'll be two on the spin for the Lions this weekend. Most certainly. Now, Rob, we move on to the ice hockey. Manchester Storm have continued their signing spree for the 2021-2022 season. Who have they brought in? Yeah, Manchester Storm, busy in the uh, transfer market for this season. Uh, they signed Frankie Melton. Uh, he played for Storm before uh, seven goals in his last uh, sort of period at the club. He's a forward, he's a natural goal scorer, James, which is what I've said all along with Storm. They lack that, that goal scoring potential. So bringing him back, will give them that edge in front of goal. They've also brought back Tyson Fawcett, who's also a forward. He scored uh, 17 goals and had 19 assists last time he played for Storm. So he will certainly add to the gun uh, power in front of goal. I think also what's also uh, very important is Cam Critchlow. He's come back into the uh, into the fold at Manchester Storm. Um, eleven goals, twenty eight assists. He's a he's a they call him a de defensive forward, James. They say he's a penalty killer and one of the best in the business. And I know you're wondering what what is a penalty killer, and I'll tell you what a penalty killer is, James. Because what it is, <laughs> if your team go down a man, he comes on and stops the play and slows it down, and that's his job. And yes, he is a forward; he scores goals, but he also has that in his locker as well. So having him in that Manchester Storm squad will give them benefits when times are tough Yeah I think it's fantastic to have him in the squad Rob and the 10 teams August fixtures have been released how excited are you? I am James I think it's great Belfast, Belfast Giants Coventry Blaze Dundee Glasgow Clan Guildford Sheffield Nottingham Panthers Five Flyers Cardiff Devils and Storm complete the league yeah 
we had last year, we had like mini leagues, uh, but this year they've gone all in. All the teams are ready to perform. It's going to be exciting. The Manchester Storm fans will be ready to go and watch their team, as we will on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. We'll enjoy the roller coaster ride uh, of following the Storm, and we're super excited about it, James. We're going to be covering them, hopefully getting interviews, and it's going to be an exciting season to come. Yeah, I think we're both really excited for the upcoming season. So much to come to Manchester, and we're hoping for a great season ahead, Robert. Moving on now to the Olympics, and what gold medals have stood out for you? Yeah, Olympics first week's been fantastic uh, for, for Team uh, GB. Talking about the goals, Matt Whitlock uh, won gold on the pommel horse. Uh, he's now six Olympic medals to his name in his fantastic career, which is, which is fantastic. Um, Charlotte Worth, uh, Worth, Worthington uh, won gold on the BMX freestyle as well. BMX, a new sport uh, to the to the Olympic Games, uh, which is, which is fantastic. So you know we're bringing up the goals now, James, which which is great. Um, Adam Peter, he won two goals golds as well in the swimming. He's a he's a he's a pure athlete, winning golds. You know for the physique of the fella as well. Uh, he's he's pure muscle in in that water and he glides like a fish, which, which is great. And also, which I think is a fantastic story, James is Tom Dean. He won gold in a 200-metre freestyle in the in the swimming pool. But he's also come back from two uh, bouts of COVID, which shows, you know, what a tremendous athlete. He's gone through this uh, sort of virus and illness twice and still and managed uh, to, to receive gold for Great Britain after working so hard. So congratulations to him uh, and all the other athletes who have, who have posted medals in this first week of the Olympics. And uh, we look forward to more success to come. We most certainly do, Rob. How many gold medals have we got now? Yeah, well, we've got 10 golds, 10 silvers and 12 bronze. That's his 32 uh, medals in total, James. We're in sixth place. Uh, China are first, USA are second, Japan are third. So we've, we've got a bit of catching up to do, but we're doing well. I know a lot of people think, yeah, well, but we're sixth, but we're picking up golds and that's important. Gold, silver and bronze. These athletes are, bo- are backed by the, the national lottery, and, and every time you put you put your put your your ticket in every weekend, any kind of money goes to our athletes, which produces better standard of athletes to come. And I think having the national lottery back them uh, shows with the, with the medals that we've managed to produce in these uh, in these Olympics and Olympics to come to. Most certainly. I mean, what have we got to look forward to now, Rob? Yeah, there's lots to look forward to, James. Wednesday, uh, Sky Brown uh, will be competing in the skateboarding. She's 13 years old, and she'll be the youngest Olympian um, to, to take part. And we're, you know, she's a you know she's a competitor, and she's quite she's one of the favourites uh, to actually win the skateboarding. So that'll be that'll be worth watching. Uh, the cycling uh, pursuit for the men that's also on. Wednesday, the heptathlon uh, with Katrina Johnson Thompson. She takes part on Wednesday. She's a hot, red hot favourite to, to pick up a gold medal. So make sure you're tuning in uh, for her. And then in the boxing, Ben Whitaker. He's a heavyweight. Uh, he's looking to, to reach goal for, for Great Britain. So that's going to be interesting as well. Thursday, uh, the men's hockey take uh, shape in, in the knockout situation. Uh, they are favourites to, to win the gold medal. So you're hoping that they can deliver as well. And then on Friday, the one we all look forward to is the 4 by 100 metre uh, relay. You know, with baton changes and drama, uh, that'll be something exciting to, to watch on Friday. And then on Saturday... 
Tom Daly to back up his previous goal. He's won earlier in the week in the in the in the duo dive. He's going for the ten meter platform dive. So could this year in Tokyo be the one where he wins two goals? Uh, and we're hoping he can because he you know he got uh, the monkey off his back, uh, winning the goal earlier in the week, and hopefully he'll get another one on Saturday. Yeah, as you mentioned, Tom Daly there. I mean. I can't believe that Tom Daly's only 27 years old because it feels yeah. like he's been around forever. I mean, his first Olympics took place when he was just 14 years old. He's come so close on so many occasions to winning that gold that he's finally done it. What a great sporting story for Britain. It is. It's a great, it's a great story. You've seen him grow uh, over the years, James, and for him to actually get his golds now is a great thing for him and great for the sport of diving and great for Team GB as well. He is looked at as the granddad of, of the of the, the team now, actually coming from when he started at whatever it was, 14 or something like that, which is unbelievable, really, that he's gone on this journey, like you said, and you're hoping he can secure another gold for Great Britain uh, and we can uh, and we can get excited again in the next uh, few years. You never know, obviously, with diving, he's, he's only quite young now so we might have another couple of Olympics in him you never you never know I mean you could argue he's not even in his prime yet so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens for Tom Daly throughout the rest of this Olympics and all the Olympics to come but moving on to football now Rob we've got a bit of an interview haven't we we have we have we've got an interview with uh, Gary Bow, yeah, Salford City FC's coach, uh, talking to us after a 2-0 defeat uh, against Lincoln the final um pre-season game he spoke about the performance in the pre-season this we have to say Gaffer that's pre-season finished with uh, we'll start off with an overarching view how have you found the uh, first four weeks or so with the lads uh, I think overall it's been a really good pre-season for us I think um, the programme that we put together really tested us and stretched us in the, in the games um, but from a physical point of view it's been really good it's been um a well-detailed programme that the lads have had and um, you can see that they're fit and I'm delighted the pre-season's over now and can get ready for the real stuff. Yeah, this time next week uh, that'll all be done and dusted. Um, back to today, what what can you take from today? I thought today was a great, obviously a great test. They've, um, you know, they played in the playoff final um, recently in, in League One so we knew again it would be you know, a, a tough test for us, which it was, and we didn't start the game particularly well, and uh, giving away, you know, the penalty. But it was great for us to see how we would react from that, um, and and certainly in front of our own fans as well. And I was pleased with how we went around it. Um, Conor McElhenney then has a, a great run and showed you what he's going to bring this season to us, um, producing a good save from them. And then, uh, like I said, we had uh, Brandon's free kick which you know he hit the ball last year with it and he's, he's taken off again this year with the same sort of accuracy so that's going to be a big weapon for us as well so pleased with 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 like to say the 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 effort from the players um, we were a little bit loose today uh, with the ball but that's something for us to build on and work for going forward we got uh, another glimpse as well that uh, young Kelly uh, came on and I uh, think he uh, rather bamboozled some of those Lincoln players. No, listen, he's, um, he's he's caught the imagination of everybody within a week, hasn't he? Um, he's only 17, but he's a, he's a fantastic lad and he's got a, an unbelievable smile that uh, 
you know, is infectious and, uh, you know, he, he can play as well. So we're going to have to look after him, of course. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's settled into the group very well in just this short period of time and uh, gives us another attacking option for sure. A couple of um, other faces today, obviously, yes. you know, their trialist brothers yes. and triplets and so. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we expect a couple more faces in the next week? Um, well, I think it is no secret that we're working very hard to try and bring in them. And obviously for next week it becomes a little bit more real than the previous two games. So we're looking forward to the noise that will be generated. So that was uh, Gary Bowyer uh, giving us the, the insight of what's going on in the pre-season, James. And he said it was a good performance in the pre-season. Despite the result, there's lots of positives to come. Yeah, I mean, a 2-0 loss against Lincoln, not ideal. But, you know, we've got that victory over Curzon Ashton, so we've got some things to celebrate. And hopefully we can continue building over this pre-season towards a fantastic League 2 campaign. But, Rob... Another big match of pre-season. Manchester City have had a bit of a good run, haven't they? I mean, beating Barnsley 4-0. And, you know, as much as I don't want to admit it, I mean, I said that Preston would batter Manchester City. That most certainly wasn't the case. Manchester City rocked home to a 2-0 win. But, you know, two big wins for City. And I think they'll be very happy, especially going into a massive fixture this weekend for the Community Shield against Leicester. Yeah, it's Man City starting to rev the engine, aren't they, James? And, you know, lots of teams... You know, we'll be seeing that and thinking, well, you know, let's what's see, let's see what happens here. Pep Guardiola, who who is a master tactician, we know what what great things he he, he can produce. Uh, you know, we'll be looking at his squad moving into this season, James, and and seeing what he can what he can do to improve. They talk about Harry Kane, they talk about Jack Grealish. You know, Man City have the power to to be able to prize these players from the teams. But which one do you think's more potentially going to happen uh, in the off season? Well, I mean, Jack Grealish. I mean, the bid is about to be made, isn't it? So it's looking very much like he'll be joining the side, and then of course Harry Kane could be as well. I mean, what do you make of a potential strike partnership of Harry Kane and Jack Grealish for Manchester City? Well, that's it's going to be un- that'll be unbelievable, won't it? Really, you know, two unbelievable players for England and for the for their local clubs. Uh, Harry Kane is an out-and-out goal scorer. He scores all different types of goals. Just what Man City need after uh, Sergio Aguero leaving, he will fill that void. Uh, Jack Grealish, I thought he was England's best player in the Euros, James. Jack Grealish, every time he came on, he created a spark. And, and that is what he does. He, he, he has magic in his boots. Jack Grealish, for me, modern-day Paul Gascoigne, knows how to beat a man. He's able to glide past people. And, that, and that's what makes that what makes the difference for, for him You know, moving forward. And having him in that Man City team gives them something different because you've got Mares, you've got De Bruyne, you'll have him, you've got all kinds of different skill sets in that team and lots of you know teams will be worried about Man City going forward because there's goals in them. Yeah, the most certainly is. I mean, they're a very, very dangerous side as they showed over the course of the games against Preston and Barnsley. I mean, looking at that fixture against Leicester, are you expecting them to win the Community Shield or do you think the Foxes will throw up a bit of an underdog victory? Well... Charity Shield, will Pep go for that Charity Shield or will he be looking at basically another pre-season game, get the players fit for, for the Premiership? That's going to be difficult, really, because, you know, they want to win trophies as well. That's what Man City is. It's building that that winning mentality and 
going winning a charity shield is a first step on the road to success. If you want to win a charity shield, gives you a boost um, for against the other teams in your division because they'll be watching on uh, Sunday, James. And thinking, you know, oh, Man City are at it again. You know, they're beating teams easy, and it's more psychological, I think. The uh, the 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 charity shield. Um, obviously, other teams are involved as well. Uh, first games of the season this week. Salford uh, will play Leighton Orient at home on Saturday. That'll be a tough contest uh, for for Bowyer's men. Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, it's important that Salford get a win together, isn't it? I mean. The way they've been performing so far this preseason, they've done well. I mean, they've got a win against Derby and a win against uh, Curzon Ashton. But off the back of the Lincoln defeat, I feel like they need a win. Yeah, and they've brought in a new assistant coach, Gary Barr. Used to be at Blackburn Rover for seven years. Is uh, is is a good coach. They're very excited about what he can bring to that uh, Salford backroom staff and uh, people with the right ideas and the enthusiasm coming into that club. James, it is going to be uh, something big uh, moving forward. Yeah, most certainly. I think he'll have a massive impact on and off the field. You know, as a manager, whether it be. You know, in the training room, in the training ground, you know, on the sidelines. I think he'll have a massive impact. I mean, he had a good spell at Rovers, didn't he? So here's hoping to more at Salford. Moving on to Manchester United, Rob. A 2-2 draw against Brentford. And unfortunately, we also had the Preston game cancelled due to a COVID outbreak within the squad. I mean, Preston not getting a chance for redemption against another Manchester club mm. there. Was that a disappointment? Yeah, I suppose with with Manchester United, you know they've got players who need game time to 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 sort of boost confidence and boost fitness. Uh, yeah, it would be disappointing that the, the games were cancelled, but they're looking at sort of the bigger picture out there. They're thinking about leagues and and you know cup runs and things. So they just need players to get fit one way or another, uh, and they can move forward from there. Most certainly, I mean, a game coming up against Everton. Is that one you think they'll win? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Obviously, Everton are a good side. Um, Benitez, Rafael Benitez, now at the helm at Everton. His Liverpool background not being ignored by the uh, the Everton faithful. He's going to have a tough start uh, to this season, James. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, he's somebody that's got a bit of stick recently, hasn't he? So I think he's in for a very tough start to the season. But somebody who I think we all hope has a good start to the season and indeed a fantastic whole season is Varane. I mean, all there's left to do by the sounds of it is pass that medical and there shouldn't be any problems there. So it's looking like Fran's going to be a Manchester United player soon. Yeah, proven winner, um, World Cup winner, great centre-half, pace to burn, glides around. I think him uh, and Harry Maguire will certainly be a centre-half pairing to, to, to compete with. Uh, we've always said that the centre of Man United's defence has been in water. But him coming in, James, will toughen that up. And we're hoping... You know, his confidence, his enthusiasm, his experience in these big games that he's, you know, that he's been in all his career will hopefully, you know, bring the squad together and, and expand that. And we're all going to be excited about what's to come. Where do you think Varane and Maguire stack up against the standard of other partnerships at the centre of defence in the Premier League? Well, potentially, James, it could be, could be one of the best, obviously, with... Harry Maguire's, you know, strength and, and aggression and, and Vaughan's, you know, inability to glide around. It kind of looks a bit like Ferdinand and Vidic, doesn't it? That It's like a, a modern version of that. So we're, we're going to have to see how that plays out. You, obviously, you'll, other players in that defensive zone uh, have to be able 
to perform and be good enough as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What What do you think? I think they'll be the very best, Rob. Mm. I think Maguire's a fantastic centre-back. I think Varane's a fantastic centre-back. And I think they'll be a very, very tough partnership to beat. I mean, Varane, good on the ball. He's a great centre-back. It's tough to get past him. And Maguire's just a bit of a house, isn't he? He's absolutely huge and he's a bit of a proper Premier League standard centre-back. He's a very good player. I think the pair of them together, I mean, if you look how well Luke Shaw's playing on the left as well, I mean, I think we're going to, I think we're in for a fantastic season defensively because I think there's a really, really good uh, set of players at the back. I mean, Wan-Bissaka as well playing right back and Trippier could potentially come in. But I think any four of those will be a fantastic defensive combination. It will, James. And I think that's what it is. When you look at the players uh, that Ollie's brought in, uh, James, he's brought quality in. A lot of people were kind of worried, weren't they? You know, what kind of player he could he could entice into Manchester United. But he has brought some quality in, and, and that's the difference. You've got to make sure you bring quality in because we are Man United, and we don't we can't accept second rate players. These players coming in are top rate, and that's the important thing uh, moving forward, James. But obviously, with a minute to go, we're talking about uh, United's expectations of the season. What's yours for Man United? Who knows? I mean, Manchester City go in the favourites, don't they? But I'd be very surprised if we don't bag second. And I think we can actually push City. I think there'll be a title race this year, Rob. It will be interesting. Obviously, Man City, you know, will be competing, as will Man United, as will Liverpool, as will Chelsea, as will Tottenham, as will Arsenal. It's a top six. It's it's everyone's looking at the excitement and that's why the Premier League is the Premier League and that is why we're super excited about it. With 20 seconds to go, James, you know, what? what, what who's your favourite to win it? I think City have got to be the favourites and after that, United. I don't think Liverpool will have an amazing season. I mean, I know the, the famous Anfield atmosphere is bad, but I feel like they might have been one and done with a Premier League victory. But who knows? We'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see and we'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. Big thanks for tuning in this week and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat.